for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And it's me, Jay. Well, Jay, so we we haven't had that long a period of time to get used to there being 31 teams and obviously therefore 31 thoughts in the <laughs> uh, you know in the, in the eponymous Elliot Friedman uh, article every week. But now there's going to be 32. So now Elliot's going to have to put in another five minutes. Actually, there probably longer go. than that, obviously, in terms of doing research. <laughs> but Elliot's going to have to put in more time, and we are going to have to remember another team every time we do one of our fan favorite lists of the entire NHL. Um, so, yeah, so I am, of course, talking about Seattle. Seattle is going to get an expansion team, which is not surprising. Uh, the only question was, when was it going to happen? And until fairly recently, a lot of people thought that the team – would start playing in the 2020-2021 season. And that's already going to be really tough, right? Because you can't say 2021 like we can say 1819. So that's going to be like, we're going to have to come up with like a really good shortcut for that. Uh, but so instead of playing in the 2020-2021 season, they're going to be playing the following season. And so what that means is that the expansion draft will be in the summer of 2021. Now, we're not going to spend too much time on this um, because at this point, a lot of what's already been said has, you know, a lot of the, the most important information has already been said. Um, if you're interested in, in how the expansion draft is going to affect the Red Wings, you can take a look on Winging in Motown. There's an article on there. Uh, you could also, if you're if you're a fan of another team, uh, I know The Athletic, um, pretty much every team site has an article on that. And also, obviously, SB Nation, if you go to your SB Nation team site, there's a, a really good chance that they've done that. Um, so, Jay, what are your thoughts, you know, your first first short-term thoughts about the uh, Seattle expansion? Given how drawn out it's been, it's kind of hard to, like, look at it as news. Isn't that funny? Where it's mm -hmm. like... There's no, like, imagine if this type of thing could have happened with either, like, a, a, an amount of hushed reverence or, um, like, if there was, like, some embargo on, like, any, like, you can't say anything about expansion announcements until, like, the actual day of. So, like, you know, if the, if it was done in, like, secrecy and, and then all of a sudden one day the NHL is like, hey, we're, having, we're holding a press conference at 3 p.m. And everybody's like, can it? Will it? Are we gonna? And then they announce it's a team and then everybody gets genuinely excited. Whereas like the excitement has kind of died down a bit, which I think hurts what they're trying to do. Right. Hmm. Cause like in the time I know that there's hurdles, there's, ex there's the buy-in you have to do there. The governors have to sign off. Like I get all that, but wouldn't it be nice if there was like an, an MLB winter meetings style timeframe in order to do that, where it's like over the course of one week, these decisions happen that way, you know, definitively that way you can have that hype around where it's like, I feel like it's just been drawn out at this point where it's like, yep. Hmm. You know, long, you know, it was the news everybody already knew. Seattle's getting yeah. the team, right? Yeah. Like, it'd be funny if they had that meeting and they were like, congratulations, Quebec. Yeah. <laughs> right? Where it's like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere, the Nordiques are coming back, you know? And then all of a sudden, Seattle is shafted once again by <laughs> corrupt uh, sports people. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I, that, yes, while I say, while the excitement has dumbed down a bit, that doesn't mean I'm not excited. I, sure. I do really, 
I'm, I'm still looking at the, at this prospect of being, you know, uh, one of the better things to happen for the league. But um, I think it was, I think, uh, I think it was Pete Blackburn who, who had mentioned like, Hey, um, you know, we really should be focused on moving teams to better markets rather than expanding. And I thought that that was actually a really nice point because there are a couple of franchises where it's like, yeah, unless you start doing some really hardcore work to, you know, like improve, like we really need to maybe start thinking about some other things, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Still wait, still waiting on a, on a name for that team. Uh, I'm really excited to see what it's going to be. Uh, the Seattle Grunge, uh, the Seattle Grolls. It's probably um, gonna, it's probably going to be underwhelming, unfortunately. Oh yeah, they're going to play it safe. Absolutely, yeah. it's going to be like uh, like the, the the Seattle Storm or something, yeah. right? Or like this the, the Seattle Downpour. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just I feel like after the seal has been broken on goofy names by the Golden yeah. Knights, right? Like I really wish that they would just try and go a little bit further so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see where they go and and um that uh i don't know as far as like the expansion draft like it should be i mean i haven't had a chance to read that article but it's like are we under the impression that it's going to be the same as how vegas did it they the teams will publicly submit uh, release who their protected lists are and then yes you know and in banquet hall <laughs> b of the win yeah. casino it's the nhl expansion yeah. draft Right. Yeah, it's going to be exactly the same rules. Um, in fact, Cap Friendly already has their expansion draft tool up. Um, now, obviously, it's oh, cool. way, way, way too early. Um, but it's going to be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if general managers have learned from their mistakes. Uh, I'm looking at you, Dale Talon, uh, especially. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's going to be really interesting to see if teams have learned that it is it is better to just give up one player and just bite the bullet and just let a player go than to try yep. to make a devil's bargain uh, to figure out a way to keep a player you want. Um, because I think it, it, I probably have to go back and do like a, like a real analysis on this, but just off the top of my head, th- I would say the vast majority of the teams, at least who tried to do that did not end up uh, doing a good job. Um, I mean, you know, obviously the, the Panthers were number one, uh, the Islanders tried to do that as well. And I think they, they ended up, uh, you know, not, not the winners of that trade basically. So um, yeah, Yeah, it's like Ken Holland Mm -hmm. said, I think he would actually have the probably, you know, it's not shocking that Ken Holland actually has good wisdom. I mean, he's still a very good GM and like track record wise, but like the way he said it was like the way you got to look at it is everybody's losing a guy, right? It's not like you're the only guy losing one good player. Everybody's losing a good player. So if you can rationalize who you think that player is going to be out of the pool of unprotected things, then you can just stop worrying about it. Whereas those teams are just like really worried. Like we lost, we lost no sick. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's who, that's who the wings lost. And I mean, no offense to him, but I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know? Yeah. No six. I mean, he was a good developing prospect and that's the type of player that obviously a Vegas or an expansion team would want to have. And given where the Red Wings are in their developmental pipeline, no sick was odd man out. It happens. Mm -hmm. Whereas these other teams that just get spooked by, you know, the, 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 they wake up in a cold chill and there's George McPhee floating in the air with chains going like, give me your picks. <laughs> you will, you'll be visited by three former players who, who you could have signed, but you screwed up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, next up. Yeah. J- just real quick. Uh, I'm just going to mention this, uh, just, j- you know, just to be complete. Uh, one of the other pieces of news to come out of this was that there is going to be a realignment. Uh, Arizona is going to go into the central. Now, 
reportedly people at Arizona are not happy about this. I know that there's been rumors that Arizona is going to have a new owner. I think next year is the rumor that I saw, I think a day or two ago. And, you know, Jeff Merrick on the, uh, the, the 31 thoughts podcast, interestingly enough with Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick basically asked him, he's like, I don't think the Arizona coyotes are going to play one game in the central, the Houston coyotes, however, and so, like, <laughs> yes. to be honest, like, obviously, not just because Jeff Merrick said it and Jeff Merrick's a very smart person, but I do, I do think that the Coyotes going to the Central could accelerate a franchise move. Um, certainly, we don't know. Um, but, you know, obviously, there's been there's been issues in Arizona. Um I mean, that's that's putting it lightly. Uh, and, and also, I mean, it's a very complex situation. I don't want to make it sound like it's a very simple situation. Um, but like, like it does seem likely that Arizona could be on the move uh, to make this happen. I will say that as a, as a Detroit fan, I'm just very happy that they didn't try to put Detroit back in the central um, because – uh, as somebody who gets up at four forty-five in the morning, uh, sometimes a seven thirty start can be tough for me to stay awake for. So, if we were yeah. in if we were in the uh, in the central, then basically every team we play is starting an hour later uh, or more. You never know. So, and plus we you know we play more Pacific teams. So, I'm really glad that we're staying in the Atlantic. Um, all right, so one other uh, piece of news that we wanted to get to before our interview, we had a really good interview that we just ended up recording. It went a little longer than our typical interview, but in a good way because it was a really good conversation. Um, and so because of that, we're going we're gonna, to you know, really feature that and kind of be a little bit lighter on the news. Um, so the other piece of news is that the IIHF um, has come out with a, with a new rule called the late hit rule. And it is... Um, it's, it's definitely creating some controversy. Um, and so basically the idea is that the, a player becomes ineligible to be hit as soon as his, as soon as the puck leaves his stick. Um, and then they define a vulnerable player as one who quote is no longer in possession or control of the puck. And he is not aware or, or not prepared for an impending hit. Um, the, 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 the penalty is that the, the player who, who hits a, a person like that is eligible to receive a major penalty and automatic game misconduct. Now, Jay, we've been talking about potential rule changes in the NHL to do something similar to this. I, th- this is definitely like, like, say, for example, if we were to implement this in the NHL next year, that would certainly be a very extreme change, uh, you know, um, and yeah. and as much as I as much as I want to see anything that's going to really uh, crack down on these type of hits, I do think it might be a little excessive to kind of immediately go to that. But um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that this is like maybe a good step, a good first step to be doing it here, and then to see if maybe this is something that can work on 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 that level, and then we can maybe try to try to do it at more of like a minor league professional level, you know, cause this is international hockey, um, you know, but if we could yeah. do it at like, maybe like a, like a AHL ECHL um, obviously like with the, with the reputation that league has, I know the ECHL probably has no appetite for this rule, um, you know, but, but like maybe <laughs> yeah. before it gets to the, yeah. the NHL, we can do an AHL thing and it could be like maybe yeah. a, well, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm sorry. So, 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 yeah. so what do you think? And then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, say what I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I, I am falling more on the side of this being extreme, uh, at least based on the video that I saw. I was, I was, I, I mean, I, I it was kind of hard to understand at first, but now that I've like kind of watched the video a couple of times, I understand like what they're aiming for. But I was, 
I was mostly taken aback by, yes, you want to protect the guy that's gotten rid of the puck. You've made him ineligible. But how much of these rules are taking into effect, you know, the laws of physics and like motions that are in motion tend to stay in motion. The objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Because I feel like in the video examples they showed, running into like i think the first video they showed where the um the player was behind the net and he got rid of the puck and then there was an opposing player where so the guy gets rid of it and he's saying that the guy got rid of the puck but he's aware of an impending hit but now under this new rule because he gets hit or aka the ch- the the check is being finished because he just got rid of the puck that is now a penalty and i thought that that was maybe a little a little too much because if the idea is that you're trying to not okay so the guy gets rid of the puck and then all of a sudden he's magically not allowed to be hit I mean, these guys are skating at full bore, right? And you're trying to get space uh, to to trying to close the space between you and and him. And you know, let's say he, you know, and we're also talking about that type of uh, moving up on him. I mean, is it assured that that guy's going to be able to get the puck away like cleanly? Because mm-hmm. let's say that player's intention is to just move up on him to try and force the guy to make a mistake, right? Because let's say he's you know he's looking out front there. But if he sees that a guy's coming, maybe he'll not be as accurate with that pass. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a chance can happen right there. But if you completely lay off, that means you're starting to get into the other area, which I think is what other people are figuring out or having taking most issue with this is if you lay off these guys, you're basically giving them these like free, open, perfect pass opportunities to all of a sudden where there was no like two on one or odd man rush ability. Yeah. It's just instant scoring chance, and maybe no nobody wants to deal with mm. that. So um, maybe in maybe because this is a extreme version, they'll test it and realize that it is egregious, mm. and then they roll it back a little bit instead of only doing a small thing and then meeting too much yeah um, friction. Because if they made a small change, right, and it was like impactful of a change enough to actually have um, like more people mad about it, then they would obviously be mired in conversations yeah. like oh you can't do this da, 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 which would completely ruin any chance of them adding further uh changes to that one rule that they introduced whereas if they do everything all at once right now maybe because it's a extreme everything included version they can see how it works then they can see what they can take away then they can see what they can tweak and then yeah and then go from there so i think sure. yeah i think in its current form it's a little over the top but if the intention is to try and get you're, I mean, you're absolutely right to to implement this type of thing even early. I mean, that's what they keep saying about any new rule in uh, uh, any new rule implementation. You got to start in the lower leagues, and then it's got to start with the way up. Like right now, like I, I actually would be really, really uh, entertained to see them just be like, okay, so we're going to test this. So for this, just this one game, we're going to use the IHF rule. All right, guys, have fun and just see how awful it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so. I. I... You know, I, I I think the thing that I'm thinking of is that, you know, like we said, I think this is a little bit too, this is definitely a little bit too far uh, and maybe a lot bit too far uh, for the NHL, at least currently, you know, this, this would definitely be something that would have to be worked up to uh, over a series of years. Um, but as you were talking, like, like what I was thinking is um, that the amount of fake shots would go up uh, because like, imagine oh, yeah. like, imagine if the guy w- like the guy was about to fake a shot, but then you had as the referee, you had to decide at full speed if he was actually taking a shot or if it was a fake shot. And then it was either a penalty or yeah. not, you know I mean? Like, I think there's, there's, there's definitely yeah. some unintended consequences I can think of, but I will, yeah. I will say, however, um, just to wrap this up, I will say that I think, 
that the intent is good. Um, I, I do want to see, yeah. I do want to see people trying to figure out how to fix this. People try to figure out how to make this better. I do want to see that even if I think that this, this rule is, is not going to be the answer. Um, so like I said before, we have a really great interview uh, coming up. It's with Caitlin Dividock from Pennsburg, the SB Nation Pen- uh, Pittsburgh Penguin site. And so we are going to go to that and we'll be back with you soon. Okay, so for this episode, our guest is Caitlin Dividock, who is a um, an editor and the social media manager for Pennsburg, which is the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins SB Nation site. Uh, we'll do this again at the end like we always do, but just in case, you can follow her on Twitter at K-A-I-T-D-I-V-I. Uh, Caitlin, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? Definitely really good. This is uh, it's a good day. We got some hockey going on in the background. Um, th- two is actually three games, three games once the Red Wings game starts. Uh, so, you know, you know what they say, Saturdays, uh, Saturdays for afternoon hockey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about the fact that we can, um, at least I, I like when I'm sure all of us want Christmas to happen on the weekends. Right. But I actually kind of like that Christmas is happening early in the week this time, because just the lead up of like watching games and deciding to buy last minute gifts and watching games and realizing you're going to be screwed trying to buy last minute gifts. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's really great. I especially like it because I, on the side, uh, I'm a teacher. So anytime that I get a holiday that's like in the middle of the week, that means the whole week is gone. Like I, I'm Oh gone. yeah. Oh so, yeah. That's beautiful. It's great. So if I get Christmas on like a Saturday, if I get new year's on a Saturday, I'm like, well, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to yeah. Wednesday, like, you know? what, why did we why do we even observe this right now why i usually get that off anyway happen? what's going on yeah <laughs> yeah i think this, this this year like i'm a teacher as well and i this year i think it's like a 12 day 12 day winter break uh like the last two years it's been really bad timing i think it's been like eight days or something like that so yeah this is really nice i'm i'm very much enjoying it and plus uh you know one of the best things about being a teacher is like that last week where like you're like ah, let's not do anything because <laughs> You know, you'll forget about whatever we do in 12 days and then we'll just have to start over. Um, all right. So, yeah. So we just wanted to get started with with some basic stuff. Uh, so like we said, you know, you're, you're, you're a writer for the Penguin site. Um, so, you know, typical starting question for these interviews. Um, you know, how did you how did you get into hockey? And then how did you go from, you know, being a hockey fan to being a hockey writer slash editor slash social media uh, manager, et cetera? OK, so. Um, I'm 24, just to get that out of the way. But um, <laughs> I'm I... clapping. Can everybody hear that I'm clapping? <laughs> yes. It provides context, yes. I promise. So, yes. um, uh, of course, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. I've lived here my entire life. Um, so I'm just just an hour uh, outside of Pittsburgh, the city. Um, I I I was mentioning this to Peter uh, a couple days ago, but I'm from a very small town that you and the rest of the world has no idea exists. So I'm going to just glaze over that and tell you that I'm from the Pittsburgh area, <laughs> the greater <laughs> area. Um, but more specifically, it's Johnstown. So um, the significance of Johnstown is the fact that um, when Craft Hockeyville, for those of you who are familiar with it, uh, decided to start doing its uh, competition to renovate uh, you know, local hockey rinks that are kind of starved for money and need need a lot of upgrades. Uh, Johnstown was actually the first winner, I believe it was in uh, 2015, where they won. So it just kind of solidified the fact that this area is a really, really big uh, local hockey town. 
especially when it comes to the junior levels and whatnot. So um, the reason I said I was 24 is because I used to go to the rink that got upgraded, which is the Johnstown War Memorial. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. So I used to go there with my dad um, and my brother whenever I was really, really young. I want to say four, five, six, seven years old. And I know ever since I started going, uh, it, it went up into my teen years. So um, I started watching watching uh, the Johnstown Chiefs, which if any of you are familiar with Slapshot, um, yes. yeah, the, the Chiefs yes. are, are a big staple from this area. So uh, I had the Johnstown Chiefs. I think they were at the time a minor league team, and I think they were the farm team for, I think it was Calgary, if I have that right. Mm-hmm. So I got to watch a lot of minor league hockey, and it was great. Like the, the re, excuse me, the arena is so small that like anytime a guy would get checked up against the boards or like, you know, you'd walk into it and it would just be like ice cold. It was like the best atmosphere for like a small town rink, small town arena uh, in front of like a blue collar audience. So <clears throat> I watched that for, I want to say, you know, 10 years of my life. And that's what really solidified my my interest in hockey. Um, unfortunately, we don't have many women's teams, so I never got to actually play it. But I followed it really, really closely uh, since then. And um, now they actually have a, it's not, I think it's a junior team. They're very young. They're like 16, 17, 18 year olds uh, who are the Johnson Tomahawks. So I get to still watch uh, local hockey. And I think the the fact that the arena won the Craft Hockeyville, um, it, it really kept hockey in this area. That was the big thing. So um, I cover them too. So that kind of perfectly segues into how I became a writer. Um, I went to Penn State University main campus. Um, I was a freshman and sophomore at the time where <clears throat> Penn State hockey was really at the, the, the you know, inaugural part of its rise, where at first it was it wasn't Division One. They were playing in like this old barn that like really didn't have a good atmosphere. You couldn't really sit down uh, comfortably. And then Terry Pagula happened, which Terry Pagula is the owner of the Sabres, and he just poured money into uh, Penn State's hockey program. So um, I ended up getting to cover Penn State men's hockey for a site called Onward State um, for uh, about a a year and a year and a half. And I'm still covering them now for a different site, Roar Lions Roar. So um, that kind of solidified my interest in wanting to get into hockey writing and cover the game really closely and and learn all about analytics and, you know, the X knows and all that fun stuff. And it just my interest in it just exploded. So. Um, now I cover the Penguins, and to cover my basis of, you know, my fan base uh, choice being the Penguins. Of course, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. I'm just a short drive to Pittsburgh, um, so obviously it was just an easy choice. Um, my family's Penguins fans. You know, it was just, I, you know, bred into who I am as a person. So um, I didn't really get to enjoy the back to the initial back-to-back Cup run in. Um, like Mario Lemieux and Yager's era, yeah. Um, because I was too young, hmm. uh, I didn't. I wasn't born until 1994, so I kind of literally just missed it. Um, <laughs> Thank you for saying it's, Mario the right way. Yeah, that, I, I really, I really like that. That's very. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, I think I'd be like banished from the fan base if I said correctly. Um, but yeah, so I, I followed the Penguins pretty much from birth, and there's there's a bunch of pictures where I. My first hockey jersey was actually a full goalie mask, like pads, goalie stick set. <clears throat> and I had the the original, like, 
uh, robo penguin white sweater. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of me like cheesing as, as big as I can with like this goalie mask, like <laughs> definitely sizes too big for me. Um, and I would always play like uh, mini sticks, so, like my living room with my brother. We'd use like a pair of bundled up socks as a puck. So like it's been it's been in my blood for as long as I can remember. So yeah, it's it's been a, a fun ride. I, I cover Penn State and the Penguins extensively. I'm on the beat for both, and it's been just incredible how much travel and experience I've like gotten to um, get in these past like four years or so. Uh, well, Pete, I don't know about you, but that means I'm extremely jealous now because <laughs> uh, I, I, I wish I had that origin story. Mine was just, oh, my dad worked in sports, which means I had no escape. <laughs> it was it was it was a foregone conclusion. And uh, so I, I appreciate yours was a very organic thing. Like you discovered it naturally instead of it being fed down your throat. All the- it was kind of both. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, Caitlin, in your in your travels, um, just as like as writing, what is. Because, Pete, I don't think I've asked this of any of the other writers, and I'm actually surprised I haven't because I, I feel like this could be a fun question most of the time. What is there a, um, I guess, what's the worst and best part about covering the team while you're on the road? Because obviously, yes, you're at home, you're among friends, you you know everybody, but like when you're when you're on the road, there's obviously pros and cons of like, you know, being around a fan base that's, you know, either unfamiliar to you or um, very, very known to you, but like, you just don't experience it face to face. So is there like, like, like what are the things you like about covering your team while it's on the road versus what's, what's something you'd love to do without? (laughs) Well, uh, the first thing is definitely trying to find your way around the arena. And I know that doesn't pertain to like the fan base, but like sometimes like arenas are, they're a maze. And like oftentimes trying to get up to like where the media place is, it's like, the biggest challenge, like for some reason in the world, just like find where to go <laughs> and get your credential, all that, you know, stuff like pre before you actually get into the game. Um, but when it comes to fan bases, um, actually, I, I love it. I, I love going to, you know, different fan bases. And this, you know, goes all the way back to, like I said, my time at Penn State where I would go to away games or at least the away games that I could. And of course, Penn State's faithful travel really, really well. So Oftentimes, you would just be able to find a Penn Stater anyway. But usually, like, home crowds are very welcoming. Um, they they love to ask you questions. Um, they love to gloat about their team and tell you how bad you are, of course. And <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good Shocking. Yeah, very shocking. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, they, they, they're very proud of where they're from. Um, they always have, like, suggestions of where to go and what to see and all that fun stuff so traveling is really fun um i will say that the only place i don't like to go and this is probably super obvious mm-hmm. is uh philadelphia <laughs> uh, um and not because like philadelphia is a really bad city the city itself is actually beautiful and very nice to go to and visit and you know visit all like the nooks and crannies of it um but uh flyers fans as a fan base um <laughs> to put it lightly, <laughs> Or to put it nicely, um, they they just we don't get along, yeah. and it's never like a mutual respect get along type of thing. Like we genuinely like hate each other, mm. like absolutely hate each other. So, um, a quick story: my dad actually went to a Penguins a Flyers game back when Lemieux was still playing, and he, you know, didn't think that it was a good idea to wear any Penguins gear, so he didn't. Um, he gen- he just went as like this you know, catalog guy, like out of a magazine that was just like neutral color, wearing black, wearing gray. Like he did not show one inkling of the fact that he was a Penguins fan. 
And even even doing that and like he never like actually like cheered. He never like went out of his way to be, you know, a dick. Like, <laughs> he was spat on. Like, oh. And like sworn at, spat on. Like I was just like appalled yeah. at, at what happened to him. So what do we come to? What do we expect? They 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 murdered Santa. Isn't that the story? <laughs> they murdered Santa. I think that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But but normally it's a very good experience, and it I, I like it a lot. I remember uh, real yeah. quick before Pete has very specific things. Um, <laughs> there was um, uh, I was uh, when I was working on Extreme Makeover Home Edition, I uh, was able to actually catch a game at the Igloo um, the okay. year after the Wings won. And uh, so being on a TV, on a television crew that's with several uh, people from several different parts of the country, um, like I was very, I, I'm very outwardly Detroit in my apparel sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like I'll wear a Tigers hat or I'll have a Red Wing sweatshirt or a, or a Pistons uh, sweater or something like that. Mm-hmm. So when we're, so when they say, Hey, we got tickets to go see a Pens game, this is obviously the year after we, we won mm-hmm. and so they were kind of like looking at me like, so Jay, what are you, what are you planning on wearing? And I'm like, well, I mean, what, what, what should I wear? I mean, I have, I, I have my Eisenman jersey, but like, I, I know that might be a little much. I mean, I, so I should probably wear my Zetterberg thing. And they're like, we were basically only asking to make sure you don't yeah. wear anything. <laughs> so I was like, you guys, come on. That's a little much to ask. It's like, Jay, like the Red Wings aren't even playing. Like, don't even be that guy where we could obviously have our discussions down the street about, you know, like fans showing up like, Hey, it's a, it's a marquee matchup between the Bruins and the Canadians. And there's a guy in a Flyers jersey, <laughs> front row center. <laughs> so, uh, but I was able to still, I, I wore just a really neutral black sweatshirt, but I did wear uh, my, uh, my champ, my uh, Red Wings cup t-shirt underneath. And mm-hmm. at select moments, I raised my shirt to certain people because <laughs> I had to make my presence known. So, mm-hmm. I understand exactly what you're saying. It, even, even if it's even if you had something on you or didn't, for some reason, hockey fans have like a weird thick sense of like that guy mm. <laughs> doesn't even go here, you know. <laughs> Two weeks ago, uh, no, actually, actually, it was, it was last week. Um, we I went to uh, to Nassau Coliseum uh, to see the Red Wings play the Islanders, and I grew up going to Nassau Coliseum. On although I grew up wearing Islanders jerseys to Nassau Coliseum. And so um, I was thinking about like, like, what do I wear? And then like, I was asking my friends and they're like, it's not like it's a Rangers game. It's not like you're playing the Rangers or, or probably the the Flyers would be another one for, for the Islanders. They're like, nobody yeah. really cares that much. And just in case I wore my Nielsen jersey, because like during the uh, like, like the opening, like they announced the opening lineups and, and Nielsen was, was, you know, the starting center. And he got like a really rousing applause, you know, what, couple years later um in you know in long island like they still love them there uh but it was weird like i was walking through the concourse and i saw so many people wearing like red wings jerseys with a coat on over it i'm like come on like nobody's gonna hurt you here uh, <laughs> you know no, like, uh, you know this is a relatively safe space but um um anyway so i i wanted to uh i wanted to go to uh we had a mailbag question this week um and so it's from i'm not sure how to pronounce it so it's m-k-e-l-o-n-n uh, I'm just going to spell it. Uh, so, you know, the first question was, how did you become a Penguins fan? We already talked about that. But then 
you know, the second question brings us into kind of, you know, the modern, you know, recent penguins. Uh, when do you think management will start to look beyond the Crosby Malkin era parentheses stockpile picks, et cetera. Right. So, I mean, the general thinking I I'm assuming is as long as Crosby and Malkin are there and they're still playing like they are even, you know, it might be a step down from where they've been, but you know, just because where they've been has been so, so high, you know, so elite. Mm -hmm. Um, my, you know, my feeling and my guess, you know, I'm guessing is that until they start to really kind of deteriorate, like they're going to still keep trying to win every year. Um, so is that the case lately? Like, what do you think, you know, what do you think is going to be the key for when the team changes its, uh, its focus or its strategy? I mean, you're exactly right. Like Jim Rutherford has repeatedly said that the Penguins are in win now mode. And, you know, Crosby and Malkin, uh, respectively, are only 31 and 32 years old. So, I mean, they still, they're obviously ending uh, their primes, or at least at the, you know, the latter half of their primes. And, I mean, as long as these two are skating and are upright and mm -hmm. can hold a stick, like Jim Rutherford and the Penguins organization will be in win now mode. And this is evident in just the past, you know, couple of years of what Rutherford has done at the trade deadline. Like, he has bled the penguins dry yeah. of first round picks <laughs> because he knows that like these are the last you know handful of years that Crosby and Malkin are going to be playing at the level that they are so he's gonna obviously uh in the big uh, Derek Broussard blockbuster trade like he's obviously going to find and put together uh, you know types of trades that are like literal like dollars away from being over the cap just to make sure that this team has a legitimate chance of going through the playoffs and you know ultimately hopefully uh ending it in and raising the stanley cup so it honestly could be up until these guys are 36 37 38 years old where we are finally seeing like this is a definite time that the penguins are moving past the crosby malkin era and into um the era of which they have to go into their rebuild so it's it's hard to say because Crosby, you know, he's 31 and you would think that he'd be slowing back slowing down by now, but like he's not even in the slightest. He literally still leads the team in points with like 38 and 32 games. His he's just insane. Like he has the worth ethic of a, a, a crazy man <laughs> and he'll never ever ever stop if, you know, he knows that he can actually do this and his body is willing to like let him do it. So it's hard to say exactly when just because, you know, all of the aforementioned points. So, like, I I would say they'd have to be, like, you know, reaching their 40s like, before the Penguins legitimately are like, okay, yeah, like, we're going to wipe our hands of this. Like, they've had a good run. Um, and, you know, this is officially over. So yeah. it's, it's so, so hard to say. But, I mean, I want to say it's relatively soon, but with the way that both of them are producing that they're literally one and two on the team in points. Like it doesn't matter how old they get. They, they seem like they're ageless and they'll play until, like I said, they literally can't, you know, ice skate. Yeah. And I mean, I think even though the teams are, you, you know, like, I don't want to say like the teams are exactly the same because there's, there's some, some very clear differences, but you know, it, it seems kind of like that uh, Pittsburgh and, and Chicago are kind of linked in that way. You know, because Chicago has obviously Kane and Taves as their their highest uh, performers. And I mean, I think if I had to take, 
you know, take one of the pairs. I think I'm taking Crosby Malkin and I don't think it's close, um, you know, at this point, especially because, um, you know, I think Taves has, has kind of regressed a lot since his prime. But, I, you know, it's pretty interesting where like like they're like I said, they're not exactly doing the same things, but they're kind of in the same situation where they have, you know, a lot of money tied up into these players who are very 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 good um but you know mm-hmm. like like they kind of have to figure out how do we work around this um and so you know i i, I just thought of that as you were talking that like i said even though it, it's it's definitely not the same exact situation but like there is some parallel and it's also interesting because obviously chicago and pittsburgh you know in, in recent years i mean they've won a you know a pretty substantial portion of the cups uh you know compared to some other teams so i thought that was interesting yeah, and I think the only like big difference between both the Penguins and the Blackhawks is just the 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 contracts that they've signed. Like everyone always like you know kind of makes fun of <laughs> the Blackhawks for signing guys for like six hundred years at like ten point five million, but like the Penguins like I think Crosby's only at like nine or nine and some change, and I think Malkin's only at like eight point seven or something like that. Yeah. So like Rutherford for all the like the the flack that he gets sometimes with like the trades that he makes or the free agent signings that he does in like the off season cc jack johnson (laughs) um (laughs) like he he's masterfully like avoided you know getting caught in contracts that are just too long for like at a price that's a, a cap hit that's too high so i think because rutherford's actually done that the penguins are a little in a little bit better shape than the Blackhawks are. And we're seeing that with like how the Blackhawks are playing. Like they're, they've been garbage like this whole season so far. And, and even though the Penguins are like, have, have dropped off a little bit, they've, I think they've won like their last four out of five games and they're still, you know, genuine, genuine, excuse me, genuinely within the hunt of a, a playoff spot. So yes, you can definitely, there's, you know, big similarities with age and, almost at cap hits, but then the contracts are a little, there's a little more leniency in how much Rutherford has, you know, signed them for. And that goes for like guys like Chris Letang too. And, um, you know, other, you know, franchise guys. So I think they're in a lot better shape. (laughs) Okay. I have a weird, um, either or question now, now that I've thought about this for (laughs) for a second. Shoot. Okay. (laughs) On the subject of, of Crosby and, um, and Malkin. And again, this could be, you can either choose this for, for either one of them, but it, what would your personal preference be? They finish out their careers in Pittsburgh, but unfortunately because of their regression and trying to rebuild, they don't win a cup again. Or do you want either of them to take the Yaramir Yager route and do like a tour around the East coast <laughs> and, and, and try and it, it like elongate their careers to the point of like Yager ish levels. Like, do you think that, you want these guys around long-term on, on your team for forever? Or do you think in the best interest of like where they could find the most success, would you be open to letting them go? Um, I don't even know if that decision falls on me because <laughs> I think that Crosby and Malkin are never going to leave. They're going to pull a Lemieux and stay here for their entire career. Um, Cindy Crosby is literally following in like Lemieux's footsteps. Like I've, he's eventually going to like own the team or, or be a coach. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen. So like uh, to answer your question though, I mean, I'm all for these two, you know, celebrated franchise guys to never, uh, you know, skate in a different, you know, player or a different team's uniform. Because I mean, obviously that would be super hard and it'd be really hard to like watch them, 
you know, succeed with other fan or with other uh, teams that aren't mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's totally the selfish route. Like, <laughs> I, I would absolutely love if they, they stayed in Pittsburgh and I fully expect them to. But if it comes to the point where they do pull the Yager route, like they, they go out and they're like, okay, uh, we're not going to win here anymore. We're too old and too slow and we can't do it in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wants to rebuild and they go to like a team that's unbelievably good and is definitely going to win the cup or has really high ceilings that are, you know, going to be within the hunt. Then I'd, I'd be happy for them. I I would, you know, want them to succeed and get more cups because, you know, they, they deserve them. They're good, uh, uh, good guys. And I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> hate it, but it would be extremely hard. Um, they're already Hall of Fame bound. Like they, they don't need more cups to get there. They've already solidified, you know, their their uh, prowess in this league. They, you know, they'll they'll go down in history as one of the greatest uh, two Penguins to ever play in the organization. So, really, I don't know about that because wasn't Malkin left off the top 100 <laughs> players list? That's you know we've never that's, discussed that's that. Ta- that's some hot takery right there. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're 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 fully endorsing that case. All right, all right. I'm yeah. Cool too. They, yeah. In, in, in Malkin... Pittsburgh, we've never discussed that ever. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's so funny because um, it, uh, in, in in a little bit we're gonna we're gonna talk about a podcast that, that Caitlin and I did a couple nights ago. Um, that is actually gonna come out the day after this one. So you know we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I remember Caitlin, you definitely said that at the same time, which is funny because like. I think Jay and I have probably talked about that maybe 10 times since the list came out. Like, like, like that's kind of like our go-to reference for like how ridiculous that list was. Um, and I, I was thinking as you're, as you were talking about this question, I was thinking that maybe, maybe just maybe um, Gary Bettman might fall and hit his head one day and he might be sitting out and somebody has to fill in for him. And maybe <laughs> they could decide to do like a purge type situation where they're like, for one season, there's no salary cap. And oh god, <laughs> the goal would be for the Detroit Red Wings to try to top the 2002 team. Right. And it's like, oh, Crosby and Malkin, Detroit Red Wings. I'm pretty sure that most of the city of Pittsburgh would probably throw up. Um, it would burn to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I actually had like a, a kind of related question because before you were talking about obviously Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's massive rivalry with Philly and how fans of each team don't really like each other, et cetera, to put it mildly. And so I, I had a question because I, I really do think that – all kidding aside, that the the number one NHL story this year in terms of, you know, you know, this is a league that has had such a problem marketing itself and has had such a problem breaking through to the mainstream. And for whatever reason, the most ridiculous thing in the NHL this year has also been the most popular mainstream thing in the NHL this year. I am, of course, talking about Gritty. And so... <laughs> My, Jay and I have talked about our journey from thinking gritty was a hunt, like absolutely the most ridiculous thing we've ever seen to now where we are <laughs> kind of like gritty evangelists. So I'm just curious as a Pittsburgh fan, like, what do you think about gritty? Um, I was kind of on the same like path as you at first. Like I couldn't help myself, but to just like make fun of every single Philadelphia fan that I possibly could. Like I was like, this is what you've created a monster that is awful and gross and I, I don't get it. And his hands squeak and he has a belly button. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't like at first understand like what he was. 
And then it all like hit me. I was like, he is just the perfect embodiment of what Philadelphia is as an entity. Mm. Like they, they garbled up everything that they possibly could about Philly, you know, Philly fans and the way they conduct themselves, put it in a blender, you know, and, and whatever came out, this, this blob of orange was what they decided to go with. And it makes sense. Mm. So at first I was just kind of like making fun of it. I was like, this is, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like, of course. And then like you, um, the more he decided to, uh, he, I don't, yeah, he, the more it decided that <laughs> it was going to be just like this crazy, like going out of its way to just do the most ridiculous things. Like it, the Photoshop of like Kim Kardashian with like the champagne oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that like Gritty's like one of the best skaters I've ever seen yeah. with like explosiveness that just comes out of nowhere where he just like, that's a really good you point. Know, demolishes everybody that's in front of yeah. him. Like. I I've I don't want to say that I like gritty because I I can't bring myself to say that, but I I understand him or it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And thought you were gonna go West Mantooth yeah. right there, like I I don't have to like you, gritty, but God damn it, do I respect you. <laughs> so so, Caitlin, would it make you jealous to know that Jeff Hancock from Winging It in Motown has met gritty? I I can't explain how jealous i am but also like how relieved i am that it wasn't me like i i'm at this weird like limbo period of like i love i love gritty i i love him to death but i also can't love him because he is my enemy like it's so it's so strange but yeah i mean like the other day the other day they had the um the one where they had the the clip where they had uh, the flyers had the santas skating around the rink and then gritty comes out in the santa costume and just like like, like roller derby like destroys them yeah. and like i i could not stop laughing like that was that was probably the funniest thing i saw all week that's what i was saying like he like i said his, his explosiveness is crazy he started like 15 feet from like the opposite blue line and he was like down to the other side of the, the rink in like yeah 10 seconds flat like it was it was so like Actually, i was that, that would be an excellent um all-star game competition you know <laughs> gritty versus like connor mcdavid but then you have to make connor mcdavid wear like the hunter suit <laughs> i think it'd be oh, i think it'd be great be super I, i'd say Put Connor McDavid up against Gritty and see who wins because I don't know. I don't know if McDavid could do yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is a little tough, but I but I will say it is again the way that we've described our 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 Gritty journeys has been like I look forward to looking back on this chapter of history of how quickly we went from under no circumstances should this exist to we must protect him. <laughs> <laughs> It, I, I'm trying to actually still figure out the moment where I where where I flipped. I mean, I think we're still trying to because I think I remember there was this one tweet I was saying like we we now have the the antithesis to the milkshake duck. <laughs> so like grit, so like you really grittied that where it's like okay, it started out really awful and like nobody wanted part of this to becoming one of the most beloved things to ever come <laughs> into existence. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm trying to figure out. I think it was. I think it was the tweet where you found out that his hands squeak. Where I was like, "There's no reason I can't hate this." What? Like, and, and there's just like I, I remember the I, I remember my first description of him being he looks like one of the animatronics from Chuck E. Cheese when they had to take the face off to do maintenance, like they because like the like the nose is gone, the lips are gone, any sort of like really defining facial features is is gone. Just like the eyes are just resting there. It's kind of like whenever you watch behind the scenes of any '80s movie because they had to do everything 
with their with their effects like animatronics where it's like all right so here are the eyeballs of chucky and then a and then a steel exoskeleton you know the thing that will haunt your dreams for the next 10 years so yes i i'm i'm really glad about him being here yeah. and and were were i to ever meet him gosh i i, I would only I, I would think the feeling would be akin to like meeting mickey mouse for the first time right where you're like there's absolutely no way i'd meet this guy and then bam he's right there and then you just start crying and crying, and crying. <laughs> I think that too, like whenever we figured out after his hands squeaked that he also had a belly button and that just, you know, like confirmed <laughs> that Gritty was a live birth. Like imagine what, <laughs> imagine what oh, he no. came out of. Like, <laughs> Oh my Lord. What? what? Oh no. So I, I was oh, playing on dear. sleeping tonight. Man. <laughs> Now I'm just imagining like like uh, it's on like Themyscira where like all the Amazons are are huddled now and it's like okay we gave birth to 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 Wonder to to Diana you know like <laughs> oh well um this thing washed up on shore but because we're a benevolent people we have to nurture it and uh, eventually mate with it because that that is our way and then and then they birth they birth gritty <laughs> just imagine like the Frankenstein level of lightning that was striking that day you know. Lots of shrieking. Oh, this is great. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Pete, I, I know you wanted to sleep tonight, but I just, I just oh, had to okay. go there. So, Sorry. Right? <laughs> I think Flyers but, fans, Flyers, uh, Flyers fans uh, flipped on him whenever he threatened Iceberg, the Penguins mm-hmm. mascot, on Twitter. Like, he was like, <laughs> I think Iceberg just, like, made fun of him because of course he did. And, like... <laughs> The, the the response was like sleep with one eye open tonight comma bird mm. and it was just like suddenly every flyer's hand was like yeah like gritty's awesome <laughs> that's the movie that we all need right now we need we need the it uh, grit follows ooh ooh i'm on oh, fire perfect. today okay <laughs> There right. Pete, Pete, I'm sure we have an important rivalry thing to talk about. So, oh yeah, I, okay. So <laughs> we should actually talk about that because on the subject yeah. of gritty being this newborn rival thing, <laughs> that it actually does speak to uh, something you did got to, you got the opportunity to do recently. Yeah. So before we wrap up, um, we wanted to talk about a a podcast uh, that Caitlin and I recorded. Um, it is from C Morley, who is the uh, I believe the managing editor for uh, Fear of the Fin. And uh, which is the uh, San Jose uh, SB Nation podcast. And so she is starting a new podcast for their, uh, you know, their podcast series. And it is called the Backstreet Bench Brawl. And uh, first of all, just before I forget, if you go on Twitter at Backseat Brawl, you can follow it. Um, it's, it's, it's a new show. Uh, we, you know, Caitlin and I were fortunate enough to, to be the first guests on together. Um, the show is going to come out. Uh, the episode we did is going to come out on uh, Tuesday. So this is this this is coming out on, on Monday if you listen to it when it first comes out. So tomorrow. Um, and basically, the idea is that you have a person from one team and a person from the other team in a pair of rivals. And so we talked about the Red Wings Pittsburgh rivalry, particularly the uh, the back to back Stanley Cup finals, obviously. And, uh, and and I know that Jay is going to be on in the future. He's going to be on an episode with the Red Wings and Colorado Avalanche. Uh, so, Surely so- nothing will be talked about. <laughs> exactly. Just a, uh, just, just a cup of coffee between a Wings yeah. fan and a Colorado Avs fan. Nothing to see. <laughs> 
uh, so Caitlin, like we don't want to we don't want to talk too much about stuff we talked about on the episode, obviously, you know, because we want people to listen to that. Um, but yeah, so obviously, I'm guessing just like just like me, like you know, you I, I know we talked about this, you know, you had gone back and watched, uh, you know, in preparation. So you know, were there any were there any things that you you were you were thinking about talking about on that episode that you didn't get to talk about with this rivalry? Um, there was one thing I I wanted to mention just because of how awesome it was. Um, mm. I can't remember if it was the first cup or the second cup series, but there was a sequence. It was uh, Detroit had the puck, um, and Brooks Orpic, uh, you know, God rest his soul. He's, you know, dying in Washington. But um, he he like behind the goal line. Uh, I think checked. It was either four or five Red Wings in a row to like. Okay get rid of like the wings possession and take it up ice like it was literally anytime a guy touched the puck in that like corner board he just demolished them or like slammed them against the ice and it was like literally four or five like hits in a row and it was awesome like i was sitting there like watching it like jumping out of my seat like yeah, yeah. I was like, this, is, <laughs> this is awesome like um but uh other than that um I'll have to search my brain, uh, but I, same question goes to you. Was there anything that you definitely wanted to mention? Yeah, it was interesting because, like, like the the main things we definitely talked about. Um, you know, we talked about how 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 much we thought Matt Cook is a dirtbag, uh, just overall. <laughs> um, but no, no, like one of the things I thought was interesting is. I was really looking forward to talking to you about it. And like, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, you know, my anticipation was met, like it was, it was a really great episode. Um, But one of the things I I always find interesting with that is like, no matter how objective you're trying to be, if you're a fan of a team, you are going to be biased in watching something, you know what I'm saying? So I just thought it was interesting how like I would get angry watching Brooks Orpix hits. And I was like, <laughs> I know that Penguins fans are getting angry watching Nick Cronwall's hits. And if oh, yeah. you flip the players, <laughs> it would probably be flipped the same. You know, it would be I would be like, yeah, go Brooks, you know. Um, and and mm. I just think that that's really interesting because obviously, I mean, Matt Cook was just I, I think I wrote down as I was watching, I think there was like four or five times. And this is just in the highlights. So, you know, they didn't show everything. Um, it mm-hmm. was like four or five hits that were like he was running players, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I mean, Orpic would, would you know, Orpic and Cronwall both had hits that today would be suspendable. Um, oh, 100%. At, at the time, they were legal. You know, they weren't they weren't called. Um, and it's just interesting also because it was it's such a different style of play, like uh, not style of play. It's such a different like um, uh, standard of officiating. You know, mm-hmm. obviously the playoffs is always going to be the refs are going to, you know, quote unquote, let them play more than more than most. But, you know, even, you know, going back 10 years, like just how much the standard of officiating has changed, mm-hmm. like just watching the highlights, there would have been like 15 power plays each way. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I just I, I thought it was amazing. I mean, obviously, Red Wings fans, you know, are going to be severely disappointed you know, with the second series going to, you know, you know, looking back with the woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it was so close. Pavel Datsuk missed the first four games. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that in and of itself probably would have made a difference, although you never know for sure. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm sure, you know, the Penguins, like we were talking about, I mean, Marion Hosa had a chance at the end of uh, at the end of game six to tie it, you know, yeah. and I mean, I mean, Hosa is an amazing player, an amazing scorer. Uh, so like 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 it's almost storybook uh obviously each fan base is going to disagree with one of them you know they're going to think it's a horror story as opposed to like a fairy tale um but it's almost storybook how in each of the final series in each of the final 
cup clinching games, the losing team had a chance right at the like right at the horn. Um, oh yeah, like 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 that's kind of crazy. Like it's almost one of those things where you know you're saying to yourself like, what are the odds that it ended up just like that? Was it the Marion Hosa slap shot from like the blue line almost that hit off the top crossbar? Was it that one? I don't. Or was that a different uh, guy? I'm trying to remember. It was I know the, it, Lid, Lid, yeah. Lidstrom or Cronwall. It was off the bar. Yes, that yeah. was like the closest to death I've ever been. Oh yeah, because yeah, like, like yeah, if you watch the replay, everybody in Joe Lewis Arena thought that was in. Yeah. Yeah. Like it literally, even on like the rewatch, it looked like it went in and it was like yeah. with like under 10 seconds to go to, or yeah. it, it was on something. It was like very, very late in the game. Yeah. And I just, oh my God, it was, it was like reliving a nightmare where I saw that. <laughs> and I was like, this yeah. is the worst thing that could ever happen. And luckily, you know, for me at least yeah. it, it didn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and just uh, obviously Jay, you know, uh, I'm, I'm obviously going to give you a chance to comment on this, uh, but I, I know I didn't want to forget. Um, this reminds me of like, I think probably the first big interview we did was Craig Custance. I, I went back and looked, I think, I think it was like episode nine, like right around there. Um, and so that was yeah. probably the first like national person we had on. And, you know, that was a big moment for us, obviously. And one thing that I thought was funny was, you know, when I got his book, because I was going to do a review of it. And then, you know, fortunately, we were able to do the interview with him. And so I started reading the book and I opened it up. Now, obviously, Craig Custance is the the editor in, you know, the editor in chief for the Athletic Detroit. I open up the book and I see that it starts with 2009 Game 7. And I'm like, <laughs> how many Red Wings fans bought this book and immediately closed it and put it down? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> because, I mean, don't get me wrong. The, yeah. the chapter was fascinating. I mean, it was really int- like, I mean, I do respect Dan Bilesma. Um, I respect him as a coach. I think he's a, I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a good coach. And <laughs> so it was, it was really interesting to read that, you know, but it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, we, I mean, we kind of have to respect him now since he's on our bench. So, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> so that's, so that's fun. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I actually was really, cause I'm, I, I think I was actually, your, yours was the next on my, I don't know if this means anything to anybody out there, but like I've recently found the the drive and motivation to like start working out with my wife, which is fun. So um, podcasts have become a uh, a hot commodity for my ears while I do things, <laughs> and um, I'm excited that. So I, I I subscribe to a couple other things, but I'm glad that yours yours is the next episode that I was going to listen to the next time that I um, go out. So like if I am touching on a subject you've already talked about, too bad because I'm sorry I haven't listened to it yet. You know. <laughs> Uh, baby steps new year let me give, give me a break but um i will say that the uh the stark difference between um the 09 series and the 08 series that 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 got me was uh first of all whatever uh the the fact that max talbot got to drink from the river sticks and become invincible like those last <laughs> two games which just like completely blew my mind i'm like you this is the guy like if you want to show me like if it was Malkin just like going completely unconscious unconscious with like a hat trick and then like, you know, two goals and assist in the last game that like completely seals over the penguin. That's fine. But how why is it a max? And then I figured it out. I know why it's Max Talbot, because Max Talbot and Darren McCarty visited the same Greek river to dip themselves into that made them play off. Uh, like immortals, like you, I, how, I don't know how many times I've watched the, uh, the, the Philadelphia series in, in, in uh, 96 and just, you watched Darren McCarty and 
these are these are players that have no business making these plays where like I would I would love to oh man if Twitter was around for that series it'd be so <laughs> great because everybody would be like like whoever whoever injected Darren McCarty with like you know horse horse pheromone or something just like <laughs> this is a guy that has no business making these plays and here he is just like uh, completely undressing every every flyer on the way to the net so that was the most excruciating thing was watching Max Talbot a guy that I had maybe in in like if I was asked to be as completely objective as possible would have ranked as maybe like just the greatest third liner to ever play on a cup contending team but he was just completely absurd and you 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 find yourself saying that thing that we all say right Kalen right Kalen and Pete mm-hmm. that thing we say we all the time when we see somebody else I hate that guy but if he was on my team <laughs> I swear to god I'd be wearing his jersey right now so that was most interesting but I will say between those two series, which sadly I'm upset that we did experience realignment, which means the best we could hope for in terms of a rematch is probably a um, Prince of Wales uh, Mm -hmm. matchup, which gosh, you know, if we could turn some stuff around a little bit quicker here, Pete, I think that could be a real possibility. Maybe even at least a, um, a, a, is it semi? No. Yeah. Some, at least a semifinal round against the Penguins. Just, just something, right. Just Mm -hmm. like one more, at least with most or some of the teams still left. I mean, granted, on our side of things, we're kind of skimp on that regard. I think we only have Cronwall and Ablocator, right? And then everybody mm. else is pretty much new. Um, but that that first series, I remember um, I, I was at game five. And the, the, the tap-in goal for us to go ahead three to two before the tying goal. And then it went to what felt like 16 overtime. <laughs> yeah. Playing Pittsburgh. Um like I'm, I'm so glad that even though it wasn't like it, it, like it felt like a cup clinching goal, but like there was something crazy because pens were up, pens were leading like two to one at that time, right? If I remember this correctly, in that first series, like in, in game five, I think it was like two to one, and then like and then they and then it was like mid third period was when we scored the two goals to go up three to two, and like that goal to tie, that place was shaking and I've never really <laughs> felt it shake before, which is, which is bizarre because the place is like just this concrete block, just, it's not supposed to shake, but it was shaking. And then when, when it was, it was Datsuk to, to Holmstrom to tap it right between Flurry's legs. I, I don't know. Three drops of pee came out. I looked around <laughs> like, you like all of a sudden, like the air smelled crisper colors were more vibrant. Like it was that weird moment where you're like, this is about to happen. And then, <laughs> And then it didn't, but, you know, like sitting in a bar the next day, two days later, just like watching, you know, the poopsie scores goal, which just um, to this day, I think is one of my favorite all-time goals. Of It's really funny, too, because like flurry has gone on to have tremendous success, but I just like it's so cool that he has just this really funny fart moment just in, <laughs> in the early of his playoff career. And it's like, you know, he, him and Brett Favre, Favre, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> So yeah, that's I'm I'm glad that this is. Oh, know, we know Tom Brady, right? Was it? Yeah, yeah, t- yeah, yeah. Tom Brady had the the the, 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 yeah, uh, Brady, the yeah. butt fumble, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sit down, butt fumble. But there you <laughs> go. So, um, but yes, that that's that's my contribution to that. I, again, I look forward to listening to your to, to the episode because mm-hmm. first of all, it sounds like you two are still on speaking terms because I was a little bit. See, <laughs> like, asked this. No, it was really good. It yeah, was really good. good. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'm glad, and I hope that's what I you know I don't know who I'm going to get paired with in in March for the, for the, for the abs one. Cause like technically deal, I, I'd like to think, you know, I, I say this now and watch, I screw it up three months from now, but like, I'd like to think I'm dealing from a tiny place of power in this regard, because like effectively, like we ended the rivalry 
like not only in 2002, but also in 2008 when we swept them on the way to the cup, it was just like this last remnants thing. But I just, I, I would love to, it, it's nice to be able to have something fun to talk smack about with actual things to back up. Cause there's <laughs> been so many times I've been a, like, I can't talk smack to other baseball teams. Like, yes, the Tigers were pretty good for like 10 years straight, but we didn't really like, we won a couple of pennants, but we never won the world series. So like when people talk smack at us, it's like, okay, well, Hi, you, you got me on that one. Where it's like this one, I yeah, look over there. I would, I have palpable, yeah. tangible evidence of the success <laughs> that led to one side being more victorious than the other. So I just hope that I can have that same amount of uh, of jovial, tongue in cheek um, smack talk without it being like. And then you know it starts getting tenuous. Then you hear it go blink, and then sees like due to circumstances beyond our control the, follow- <laughs> the rest of the podcast has been put on hold thank you for listening we'll see you next week <laughs> so that that's my long-winded edition so con- congratulations i'm sure that this, the pilot will make this a a very fun yeah. and an and, and engaging uh, experiment because <laughs> talking gleefully with rivals i mean that should be something we should all aim for right i don't want <laughs> I mean, I want to wave yeah. at Penguin fans. I don't want to like wave the bird at the Penguins fans. I'd like to be able to wave. You know, that's that's what it is. Yeah. So, so thank you very much, Caitlin, for coming on with us, uh, listeners. You can follow Caitlin on Twitter at k a i t d i v i. Um, and like I said, she is the uh, she's a writer, editor, and social uh, media manager for uh, Pennsburg, which is the SB Nation uh, Pittsburgh Penguins site. So, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. Oh yeah, no problem. I, I this has been a fun like to uh, show tandem with red some Red Wings <laughs> uh, Penguins rivalry talk. So I enjoy it. Absolutely, and and I just realized that um I I was gonna mention the thing that we talked about with the uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> Penguins thing. So so I, th- I think what I'm gonna do is I think I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it in the regular part of the show and drop the clip in there because penguin uh, I really penguin. need our listeners penguin. to penguin. <laughs> I really need our listeners to hear that. It's so funny. Penguins. I still think it's the it's, it's like the he... perfect like like connection between the two too. It's like Red Wings and Penguins and just yeah. shove them both together and. <laughs> There's Benedict Cumberbatch being the the sweet boy that he is. <laughs> yeah, so actually, so for our listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm just going to drop that in here uh, before we before we go back to the regular show. So th- thanks again, Caitlin. Have a wonderful. Thank day. you so much for having me, guys. Of all the questions we had, yeah. the one that came up most often was <laughs> ask Benedict to say the word penguin. <laughs> <laughs> What is this about? Well, apparently I got it wrong repeatedly in a documentary. It wasn't a documentary about said animal. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a documentary about, I think, about the South Pacific in general. And now I'm completely terrified of the word. Um, I don't go near it. But no, because I know, here's the thing. I thought, oh, I'm and sure yeah. they're making it up. But we actually looked You've got at it? this documentary. Oh, good. So the documentary is called... The documentaries are called Strange Islands. The first one you sort of get away with, and then after that you lose all sense of what we're <laughs> doing. Uh, let's, let's have a look. Listen carefully. And the last thing you might expect to see here... ..is penguins. <laughs> These are Fiordland-crested penguins, named after this corner of South New Zealand. So why are these woodlands so attractive to penguins? <laughs> A freshwater stream through the forest makes a handy highway for a parent penguin heading home from a fishing trip.
thanks again to Kaylin for coming on to our show. It must have been a little weird for her because while we are a all NHL podcast, we do still have our Red Wing prejudices clung deeply to our hearts. So I'm glad we were able to offer her a place of understanding. And because she's not on the phone with us right now, I get to do a little bit of a smack talk with her because she closed it out there. Um, I, I, 11 Cup says what? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's, I know that was lame, but I had to try. So, uh, Pete, for, uh, for our final segment today, we thought we'd have a little bit of fun because since this episode is coming out on the eve of Christmas, uh, we are uh, going to have a little, a little more of a, of a different uh, format for our, um, holiday themed, uh, segment here, because, uh, last year, if you'll remember, we decided to use all of the kindness that we had been banking for ourselves and decided to add, uh, give unique gifts to each and every team in this, the National Hockey League. But we decided to to, to deviate from that because we did it perfect once. There's no reason <laughs> to do it again. So uh, Peter and I put our heads together and decided to uh, gift all of you with basically our all-time Christmas uh, starting lineups. Um, these are, and this kind of started with kind of half like, hey, if a player's name kind of represents a Christmassy thing or if a character from your favorite Christmas fable would be uh, really good at uh, playing this uh, great sport of ours. Uh, we decided to uh, do some research. Uh, some, uh, I think Pete and I both spent the same amount of time to um, try and come up with this, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not about the time you put in, it's how much love you put in. So uh, we're uh, very excited to introduce our all time Christmas hockey team lineups. And uh, Pete, I will, uh, I, you know, it's the giving season. I will give you the first announcement to your hockey team. Okay, great. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with the center position. And uh, my Christmas, so, so these are Christmas characters, right? So, so, so my Christmas character for my starting lineup is going to be Buddy the Elf, um, because he is going to spread scoring cheer by passing loud enough for all to hear. <laughs> so I, I think he, he's a very giving person, and I think he's going to be a good playmaker for my team. What about you? Cool. Um, I will start also with the uh, center position. Because I am a emotional baby who cannot let things go, I have put Yukon Cornelius from the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, beloved classic uh, because his beard reminds me of Henrik Zetterberg's, and I miss him so very much. Yes, I know he's still alive and probably having the time of his life, but that's that's just the way I am. I miss him so very much. Um, I will, uh, because I introduced this segment, I will then go again because I'm awesome, uh, mm -hmm. and then we'll go in an alternating fashion. Uh, I, uh, my, my team is mostly a, uh, is kind of half characters, half, uh, play on words. So, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen on the left wing position, Mr. Taylor deck, the halls, Taylor <laughs> deck, the halls is my left winger. Uh, pretty self-explanatory there. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the decision was one for one. So, wow. <laughs> I was gonna say like, man, I, uh, yeah, I, I I did not do that. I just went <laughs> straight up Christmas characters. So um, my left wing is Gonzo from the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, um, the reason why is because you know you think of like a left winger as like kind of like a tough power forward is like the you know the prototypical one, and someone who is shot out of a cannon is going to be perfectly at home digging in the corners <laughs> as a power forward. So I'm going with Gonzo. Plus, also I am I am somebody who has grown up and lived his whole life with with a a nose that is on the larger side. Um, you know, not, not, not as much as, uh, Steve Martin and Roxanne, 
Hey uh, where it's like I can smell the I can smell the coffee in, yep. in was it Brazil? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I am gonna I'm gonna fill out the uh, the forward position. I'm going to go my right wing, and I'm gonna go with the classic Christmas character John McClane because if he can walk through blo- broken glass, he can do whatever is needed to survive a playoff run. <laughs> oh man. You think he can just leave a docket full of criminals in New York and just move out to LA? No, sir. <laughs> he's got, he's got a lot going on there. So, um, okay. So, uh, I will finish out my forward, uh, uh, battery with, uh, another play on words. And I'm very excited that this exists because for all you grieving senators fans, this one's for you. Close out on my right wing, Mr. Ryan DeZinglebells. Mm. Ryan DeZinglebells. They mm. they are ringing just for you. So I'm very excited about his addition wow. to my all-time hockey team. Um, I will then uh, use my next pick to introduce the first part of my defensive tandem. Uh, this is uh, I, I put a lot of thought into the in, into my uh, defense core here, so I'm really excited to unveil it to you all. My first defense is the ghost of Christmas past, because if there's anybody that's going to remind you of all the defensive mistakes you've made already, it's going to be him. And he's going to make you feel so, so shitty about everything you've done. Like you're going to move it up the boards and he's and ghost of Christmas past is going to be like, wow, remember the last time you tried that? Ah, it was a two on one the other way. I wouldn't try that again. So it's all about sowing doubt in the, in the players that are trying to mm-hmm. uh, skate up the ice. So. All right. That's mine. Cool. So I get to introduce both of my defensemen uh, because of this alternating format. So yes, yes. First, I'm going to go with Billy Mack from Love Actually. <laughs> right. So um, if you if you don't remember this, this is the I can feel it in my fingers, feel it in my toes uh, character by uh, Bill Bill Nye. Um, not not the science guy. The uh, the the older just regular actor. Nye. <laughs> yeah, just a regular one. Um, and so the reason for this is because, I mean, if you look at his, you know, the way he acts and if you look at his wardrobe, you know, he definitely has the right amount of gruff. Uh, he might not have as much grit as you might want for a defenseman, but he definitely has the right amount of gruff. Um, and so I think that he is going to be a, uh, a, a good choice back there. And my second one, I am going back to the same well as for my, uh, for my right wing. And I'm going with Hans Gruber as my second defenseman because, <laughs> and here's the reason why it's, it's a very specific reason. The opposing forwards will never know what he's about to do until it's too late. And he's flying down the ice as fast as if he was free falling out of a skyscraper. Ah, oh, to his death. Oh, very nice. Okay. So um, I will close up my uh, defensive tandem. By with another inspired choice, as I'm sure you'll agree, the ghost of Christmas future. Yes, he will uh, also let you know about all the mistakes you will make. So <laughs> I, I, my, my defensive core is all about making you be sad about everything you've already done, but then make you scared of everything you're about to do. So <laughs> if there's anything more scary, I was kind of thinking of it in the sense of like kind of a legion of doom type uh, defensive situation. So uh, the ghost of Christmas future and the ghost of Christmas past uh, will be haunting you anytime you're on the ice uh, playing against my team. And for uh, for my goaltender, uh, Pete, I'm very excited about this because uh, this is largely a play on sounds, <laughs> not so much words, because uh, everybody loves the, uh, the uh, Peanuts, uh, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, my goalie is Patrick Waugh. Do you know why? Because wah, 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 wah. That's right, because of the adults in Charlie Brown Christmas oh can't speak. They are just 
just trumpet womp. Oh so my God. Patrick womp 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 womp. Oh God, that hurts. <laughs> that really, really, really hurts. <laughs> as it should, oh as it God. was intended. Okay. <laughs> that's okay that's okay like honestly like i like i admire the creativity so i'm gonna i admire the creativity so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to give it to you okay all right so that means that i have uh i have my goalie and my wild card uh we are going to do one wild card each so this could be anybody in hockey right any type of position or um you know on the team or in the league or whatever so my goalie is going to be the grinch I, th- I think it's pretty obvious. Mm. I don't think I really need to explain this one that's, too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, yep, that's that's yeah. He's right. he's a mean one, and uh, he's he's not gonna let not gonna let anything by him. Um, and so th- this this brings me to my wild card. All right, so for my wild card, I am going to go uh, with 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 a two for one. Uh, Jay, you've been you've been kind of tweaking the rules a little bit by going with uh, people's <laughs> names that sound like Christmas things. Uh, so I'm going to go with a two for one. I'm going to go with Harry and Marv from Home Alone, and I'm going to have them be the Department of Player Safety. Um, and <laughs> the reason why is because they can't they can't figure out things that an eight year old can figure out. And so I think that that's a pretty I think that's a pretty good one. Uh, so okay. wrapping up. So what's your that's wild nice. card? What my my wild card is um, again true true to uh, my uh, uh, tweaking of the rules. Um, I actually thought I actually thought of this like a year ago, and it's the only way that I've actually referred to this player, and um, I I'm, I really enjoy explaining it to people. So, ladies and gentlemen, why my wild card pick, Krampus Lindholm. <laughs> he's uh, he's a beast. And he is uh, the anti-Santa. Oh, my God. And there's nothing better than having Krampus coming down the wing or just ready to just knock you over. So Krampus Lindholm is uh, is my wild card pick. And uh, you know what's funny, Pete, what? is it doesn't matter because anytime our goals get scored, you know who's uh, you know what happens? What? Rudolph's nose lights up. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly right. We're going to light Rudolph's nose, baby. There we go. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. It's tough. So if any of you are still listening after this exercise, um, we just want to thank you for uh, for listening in. Um, I, in a personal note, would just like to send a very merry awesomeness out to uh, literally everyone that I know. Uh, you know who you are, which means I'm talking exactly to you, whoever you are. Um, have a fantastic holiday season. Uh, we realize that hockey isn't the only thing that uh, you partake in in these uh, in this fun season of giving and love and understanding and acceptance. Uh, but uh, we do appreciate you uh, listening in on our uh, ridiculousness. And uh, I'm very excited for those of you who get to listen to this on Christmas Eve, because maybe the message we can give you is it doesn't matter how bad the jokes are, or how worse the jokes are or how cringy the jokes are. Uh, we still like to have fun here talking about this sport that continues to madden us uh, from here into eternity. So um, thank you so much for listening. Pete, would you like to par- uh, parlay a message to our wonderful listeners? Sure. Yeah, I think um, even though we started doing this in the in the uh, the summer uh, a year and a half ago, you know, anytime you get to the end of the calendar year, you kind of reflect on, you know, where you've been, where you're going, et cetera. And so I think that I'm I'm very thankful uh, for this this podcast. Uh, first of all, to to JJ, who 
you know, basically said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea and not that sounds like a dumb idea. Um, <laughs> like, how are you going to be able to pull that off? And, uh, you know, so so that was, you know, his his support from the beginning was very helpful with that. Obviously, um, you know, Jay, uh, he, at first I wasn't sure, like I knew I wanted to do it with somebody else because I thought it would be terrible if I tried to do it by myself. And um, I wasn't sure, you know, who would be a good one or, you know, who would be a good co-host. And then uh, once Jay and I started, uh, you know, hanging out online, playing NHL against each other, I realized that, you know, we, we definitely have a lot of a good chemistry with each other and I think we're a good team. Um, and so obviously, you know, thanks to Jay for, you know, his part in this and, and helping to promote it, et cetera, and get guests and everything. And obviously, you know, thanks to everybody who has been on our show and thanks to all the people at home who are listening to this, because if people weren't listening, then we couldn't really keep doing this. <laughs> you know, be, I don't know. No, we'd still do yeah. it. It's just we'd be more into the void. Yeah, I was going to say we'd have to scream it, <laughs> change it to screaming yeah. into the void for sure. But yeah. uh, <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, so if you if you want to follow us, I'm at P Flynn Hockey. Jay is at the Roar underscore twenty four. Uh, the web the the podcast is at two hundred foot pod two zero zero FTPOD. And if you want to get anything, uh, it's probably too It's going to be too late when you listen to this to get anything for Christmas. Uh, but if you want to get somebody a New Year's present, who knows, make it up or a Valentine's Day present. That's that's around the corner. Uh, you can go to uh, tinyurl.com slash shirt. That's F-E-R-S-H-I-R-T. And you can get stuff from our merchandise store. So thanks again for listening. Uh, we will come back to you probably in two, uh, in two weeks, most likely. Uh, and we will see you again in 2019. Woohoo! For sure. 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 For sure.